take this time to kind of get our hearts and minds settled in on actually the season. Welcome to those that are watching on Facebook as well. Um, this morning is going to look a little different by way of worship. Um, it's going to look way different. We'll talk about more about that in just a moment. But as we prepare um, this time, you know, it's, it's, we only have X amount of weeks. Was it four or five weeks now till Christmas? And we want to help you get just focused on what's right and how to make the most of this time of year. So um, this morning we're going to be open. We're going to be asking the question and then answering the question from the Bible: Why did Jesus come as an infant? Food for thought. But we also want to give the Lord our focused attention. That's the definition of worship. So we're going to be leading a song this morning. Actually, the, the DVD is going to be leading the song. I'm going to ask you to stand if you would. And let's sing this. This is one of a, a song that we sang even actually last night at our, uh, at our Christmas gathering party. And um, it just helps to set the tone for our hearts and our minds to get focused on him. Sing with us, won't you?
You may be seated. So welcome. Welcome this morning as we gather. The, um, I, I told you it would look a little different. Uh, Andrew Ridings and the family, they had a little bit of illness uh, going on. And uh, he, he thought it would be best if he wasn't here just for precaution's sake. And we can appreciate and respect that. So um, thank you for being here today as well. Those that are watching on Facebook, we want to welcome you. Take a moment and wave back. Perhaps it's Mary and Marta this morning that's watching. We uh, don't always know who's on there until later, but we always want to welcome those that are watching on Facebook as well. I'm going to ask Brad Bove if he would come now and receive the offering. And as he's coming, <clears throat> just to let you know that Christmas cards we do every year here, uh, the tables will be set up and we'll start uh, preparing for that and there's still some more activities to come. And next week, though, our crew is scheduled. They were, that's why the manger scene is here as well. They were supposed to sing this morning, uh, and a couple of those were out. So, um, but the crew will be doing their program next Sunday. So next Sunday at 6 p.m. as uh, we get ministered to through our crew and BQ Kids. Commander Brad. All right, I'll ask the ushers to come forward as we prepare to collect the offering. And I wanted to share with you uh, some scripture and some thoughts that we discussed in my LifePoint Bible study group this morning. We were in Hebrews chapter 11. We were talking about faithful saints of the Lord. We've had uh, a few funerals over the last year or so of some saints of ours here at Crosspoint Baptist Church who are with the Lord today. And we were talking about the examples that they set for us, examples in faith. In Hebrews 11... We have the testimony of many Old Testament saints and how they lived their lives. People like Abraham. Abraham was promised a great nation. He was promised a great land. He was promised uh, to be a blessing to the rest of the world. But guess how many of those promises he saw fulfilled in his lifetime? Zero. He saw his son, Isaac, born, but he was not able to see the full fulfillment of these promises, but he lived by faith. And in Hebrews eleven six, it tells us how to please God. It says before that, that Enoch pleased God. And then it gives us a definition, a, 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 an explanation of how we can please God. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We just sang about the promise of Jesus Christ. The Old Testament saints did not see the fulfillment of Jesus Christ being born in their lifetimes, but they had trust in God. They trusted in the promises of God, and they lived according to those uh, promises. They, they lived according to trusting God. They had confidence in the trustworthiness of God. Today, I want to ask you, how are you seeking to please God? Are you seeking to please God by being at church this morning? Are you seeking to please God by giving to the church? Are you seeking to please God by doing so many things, good things, whatever it is? I will tell you what Hebrews 11.6 tells us. It's impossible to please God without faith. And faith is confidence in the trustworthiness of God, taking God at his word, making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. That's how 
you can please God because there aren't enough good things that you can do to earn salvation. It's only through trusting in Jesus Christ. As we collect the offering this morning, I pray that we will be those who walk by faith and not by sight. Not walking according to what we see happening, but walking according to the promises of God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that this morning as we uh, talk about the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies in the birth of Christ, I pray that each one of us would understand that it's impossible to please you without trusting you, trusting your word, trusting in your promises, especially when things around us don't look good. In times of crisis, in times of, uh, of not knowing, uncertainty, that's when our faith should shine the brightest. Help us to trust and obey you in all that we do. We'll thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So, again, with uh, people absent today that are usually on stage, and we sang one song there, and somebody actually asked me, well, if we usually do like three songs, and we only did one, what's it look like? What's the service look like? I said, it doesn't look any, nothing's going to change in time, baby. But it's grateful to be here. I'm grateful to share these things because they are the things of God. That's what makes it fun. That's what makes it exciting because we can have answers to questions. We can have answers to life. Maybe you're floating. Maybe you're, you're trying to figure it out. Or maybe you're like, man, give me more. Feed me more. I want more of this. We will do our best to accomplish that goal for certain. But I am grateful that you're here. Are you grateful you're here today? Keep that amens up. I need that stuff. Usually about a certain time frame, you start checking out on me. Don't be checking out today. Because I'm going to introduce, now in argument and debate, what I'm doing this morning, I'm sharing from the Bible. But in argument and debate, they call this a straw man. That's where you pose a question more or less, and then you answer it. It's called a straw man. So I'm going to pose a question, and then we're going to answer it biblically. And the question is this, and you've heard this before. I first developed this message in 2016. Um, which is code for I stole it from somebody. But it's 2016, and it's, it answers the question. And as we go over the next five weeks, all the way up to candlelight service, which is on a Sunday morning, December 25th, Christmas Day is on a Sunday morning this year. And we're doing our candlelight right here. It's going to be phenomenal. Great way to set the tone for uh, what we hope to accomplish that day. But as we go over the next following weeks, I love this part and it frustrates me at the same time. Here's what I love. It is the Christmas event, not just a story. It's not made up stories, not pretend. This is an event. Even history, outside of the Bible history, historians would say there is an event. There is a guy named Jesus and he was born about this time and there was a lot going on around him. Even secular history tells us there's a historical Jesus. So if you're here and you're, or if you're on Facebook and you're, you're, you're on that bubble, you're on that faith bubble of like, I don't know, I don't know. Just start there if you want with the historical events of a guy named Jesus. Now we're going to take it further and say not only is he Jesus, he's Jesus the Christ. He was born and we'll give you what the Bible says. And then God's going to take his word and his spirit and do a work in your heart. Are you ready? Are you receptive? Would be 
the question. So I'm going to be sharing today, answering that question, and then weeks following as I was mapping out the next several weeks, uh, we'll, we'll probably be profiling a lot of the people around that event. So here's why I love it and why it discourages me a little bit. I love it because um, it's the Bible, and you can't retell it. it. There it is. It speaks for itself. It doesn't need, I don't have to defend the Bible. It speaks all by itself. In fact, I'll probably mess it up. Let just preach it and teach it as it is. Let it fall where it falls, baby. Let it go. It ain't, it's not on me. I just got to be true and, and, and properly interpreting and properly uh, delivering. What frustrates me about this time of year is I look out there and many of you have heard these messages. You've heard them before. But like Daryl said, he can't remember from week to week. So preach it again. Don't worry about it. But it doesn't mean we should have any less passion and excitement for the things of God. Are you excited for Christmas this year? Yeah. Yeah. What do we mean by that? What are you talking about, Pastor? You talking about the Black Friday? You talking about going shopping? You talking about Cyber Monday? What are you talking about? I'm not talking about that stuff. Christmas is a level playing field for a lot of people. It brings us back to this time when we could just settle in and it causes us to reflect sometimes on where we are. So also this Christmas time, it's a first for a lot of people. It's a lot of first. I, I look across the room and I see uh, Donna, who's back, uh, back up here, states away from Texas. And it's a first, right? You got more going on. I look across the room and I see people that this is their first Christmas without their loved one as well. So these are, that's the wide range of emotions this morning. And I'm also looking across the room and I'm seeing people that maybe are hearing this Christmas event for the first time. Like the real one. All right, it kind of gets me revved up again. So a lot going on. I did want to take a moment and share this card as uh, before we open the word of God this morning. It's from Karen Stanhope. Um, she gave it to me last week, uh, but I do want to read it this morning. Dear church family, thank you so much for being there for me and my family with the expressions of love, memories, flowers, and food as it relates to Dennis Stanhope. Dennis was a godly, faithful man not only in big things, but in little details of life. He loved God, me, his family, his country, and his church, and prayed for all. Thank you for heartfelt love clearly shown on our family. Your prayers are invaluable. I felt them, I felt them every day. Thank you church family. I love you, Karen Stanhope. I would say back to that letter, we will continue to do those things and pray for and love on your family as, as much as we can. You ready for hope today? Hope. Listen to that word. Something that we can put our, our stock in, we can put our investment in. You may think, yeah, I know. You see my 401k? Not that kind of investment. That's money investment. That stuff's going to come and go. That stuff's going to bounce around. The best way to solve that problem is just don't have any money. You don't have to worry about it. That's a joke. There are 350 prophecies, about 350 prophecies concerning just the birth of Christ. 350. 
prophecies from over 1,400 years, and they all came to fruition at one moment. 1,400 years. Think about that. Don't miss Christmas this year. Experience Christmas truth. So I want to ask that question and answer that question. It's a great question. When I saw this and started developing, and I, I think I read it out of an article and started developing, it answers the question because it's so vitally um, applicable to our walk today. Why is that? Because it's probably a question you never even thought about. Why did Jesus come as a baby? Why not just show up as a man, 33 years old, I'm here, I'm on the scene, let me do the death, the burial, the resurrection, and, and move on with life. Why did he come as a baby? We shared this in Faithful Life this morning. We're talking about grandparents. Uh, newborn babies, birth in itself is amazing. Would you agree with that? If you ever got to witness and experience that, it is amazing. The future in the flesh. The future in the flesh. I love that thinking and, and holding an infant. Like, what are you going to be? What are you going to do? What's God have for you? And then if they start crying and smelling, you just hand them off. It's, it's what we do. But imagine now Mary and Joseph that night at the birth of Jesus Christ. I mean, not be too, too dramatic. I, I don't, we don't know everything. But Mary and Joseph, that night at the birth of Jesus, there's a lot, lot going on in the peripheral and in real time that we don't always appreciate until this time of year. His coming had been foretold by angels, not physicians. How do we find out now when the baby's coming? Well, um, you know, we know how it works. We know how babies get here, right? And then uh, you go to the doctor and they maybe do a sonogram and they can project the uh, due date and they do the trimester thing which the math really doesn't work on trimesters Carla tried to explain it to me I give up I just know that kids coming eventually but because it's okay whatever but here's where I'm going with that it it's angels not physicians and if you get a c-section you know exactly when the due date is but the angels announced the fulfillment, how? Through psalms, through, through poems, through dreams, through prophecies for thousands of years. The Messiah was here as projected, but not like they had projected. Are you with me? We conjure up, especially the birth of your first child. You, you have this idea of what it's going to be like. It's, you kind of picture it as such a romantic idea. You know, these super clean environments. And, and you do all this, this picture-perfect world. Now, by the time you hit kid two, three, and four, that picture is a little different. You know, the first child, what are you doing? You're, 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 you're boiling and sanitizing everything. By the second, third, and fourth child, the 10-second rule does come into play. How dirty could it really be? Israel... I would assume Mary and Joseph, they supposed the Messiah to be strong. The strong military type. Maybe a, even a diplomat. He was to have a sword like David. The Messiah was to have wisdom like Solomon. To be a leader like Moses. 
a military man like Joshua? Are those all fair assessments of what Israel would have thought their Messiah, their king, would be? I think yes, absolutely. Would it have been fair to say that Mary and Joseph's assumption of the Messiah? I think yes, because of all the teaching. And then here's a baby. Here's an infant. Perhaps at first glance, he was very, he's like every other newborn. And we know all that goes with that. Why would the Son of God be an infant? An infant is defenseless. Can't fend for themselves. An infant is dependent in every way on somebody else. But Israel needed their leader right now. So they're looking for that leader. Remember, and that's why um, Herod, the threat to the throne, the threat that this leader was coming. Who are they looking for? The strong military type. The strong military man that was going to overthrow these governments and set up Israel. And they knew the prophecies as well. The world did. And here is an infant. Everybody missed it and him. Jesus was fully God. He was fully human. One didn't cancel out the other. Remember that. Jesus was a man truly of both worlds. Isn't that great to know? Give me an amen if you like that. He was a man of both worlds. He knew the heavenly perspective. He knew the earthly perspective. All this is true, but still doesn't answer the question, why? Why did he come as an infant? Jesus came as an infant for several reasons. And the first one is this. Here's the first one. Because of his divinity. His divinity. His God-like character. We're going to be bouncing around in scripture. So have your Bible ready. Whether it's on your phone or in your lap. We're going to be bouncing around. We're not hunkering down on just one or two. I can tell you this much. You can turn to the book of John. We're going to be there a little bit. But think about this. His divinity. Why did he come as a baby? As an infant. And as we think these things over, maybe right now you're, you're going back in your mind. Uh, if you have a newborn or if you have a, they're growing up and you're going back in your mind um, of what, it's, what that's like. Take it all in for a moment. He came to earth from outside of earth. Pure. And clean. He is in no way a product of this earth. Is that important? I think so. He possessed the attributes that only God has. As we're studying through the book of John on, on Sunday nights, in fact, I'll probably pick it back up again tonight uh, when we cover chapter 8. Turn to John chapter 8 and verse 58. We're going to read one verse. As we consider the attributes of God and the attributes of Jesus the Christ. He possessed the attributes that only God has. Nobody else has these attributes. His eternality. The fact that he is always was and always will be. I know. We can't wrap our minds around that. We can't take that in. What does that mean forever? What's that look like? It just makes your brain hurt when you think about it. And yet we see that that is exactly who God is. Let's see what it says about Jesus. John chapter 8 verse 58, Jesus is speaking, and Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Say, I am. I am. Jesus just recognized 
He and the Father are one. The self-existing one. That's the statement that he's making. That's the name that God used of himself back in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, when he was at the fiery bush with Moses. That's exactly the phrase that he used. A very reverent term, a very strong term that God used for himself. Jesus was refer referring to himself as Yahweh. 23 times Jesus is referred to in the Gospels as I am. 23 times. Think about that. He's saying, and when he's referred that way, that I'm God in the flesh. His divinity. And that's a word we don't use all the time in 2022. But it doesn't make an any less important word. His divinity. Jesus was everywhere all the time. Matthew 18, Matthew 28. We know that is omnipresent. Jesus could do all things. In fact, look in John 11. Go a chapter forward. John 11, verse 38 through, through 44. I love this. We're not, I don't, I'll, I'll read it, but I, don't let me get too sidetracked here. I don't know how you could stop me. But don't let me get too sidetracked. We want to stay focused on these attributes. But Jesus could do all things at any time. Think about that. He could do all things. What's that mean? Look in chapter John 11, verse 38. Jesus, then Jesus, again, groaning it in himself, came to the tomb. Uh, it was a cave and a stone laid against it. What had happened? A guy by the name of Lazarus had died. Somebody that he knew, somebody that he loved. Verse 39, Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, his sister, ran... The sister of him who was dead said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Now, why did he ask that question? That's a weird question to ask at that time. It doesn't, it doesn't address directly what she's saying. Like, the, mm. But he asked a question. Jesus didn't ask questions for the answers. He asked the questions for the hearers wonder what kind of questions he's asking you today. Verse 41, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of these people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out of the bound, hand and foot, with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with cloth. Jesus said to him, loose him and let him go. Jesus could do whatever he wanted to do. He could do all things. Hey, quick question here. What are you hung up with about God? If you're going to be honest, we stumble in our faith. And I'm speaking to the Christian, the believer now, the member of Cross Point Baptist Church. And if you're a guest or visitor, if you're watching by Facebook, 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 let me tell you about Cross Point. We are not a perfect people. We are not a perfect people, but we're a forgiven people. We're a people that are in a relationship with God and we have hangups too. I know you don't want me to say that or and when it's not cool to admit it, but we all have faith hang-ups. Like, God, we trust you thus far. My, my logic takes me this far with God. The rest is by faith. And, and sometimes we get hung up on the faith part. 
especially when we get to the why. God, why? 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 There, there, that's a faith question. As if we could handle the answer. Well, you know me, when my latest mantra is instead of asking why, take that off the table. Stop asking God why. Ask him what? God, what are you up to? What are you up to? And if you're not a believer today, it, that's a great question to ask. Because he, why is this happening? God, what are you up to? The answer may be so that you can know me. You don't know me. And I want to offer myself to you. We come by faith. We come by faith. I had a person just recently, a handful of weeks ago, asked me, a presumably non-believer, asked me, how much will God give you? Well, I didn't want to give him the truthful answer. If you're, not, if you're not in a relationship with him and you're not professioning, I can't answer that question for you. I can answer it. If you're a believer, I can answer that question because the Bible answers it. But if you're not a believer, them are the ones that ask and why the most sometimes. He can do all things. He knew all things. Look in John chapter 4. Go back a couple of chapters. Like that sound of pages turning, warms my heart. John chapter 4, verse 29. Oh, I remember this story. Man, it's a good one. Uh, event, sorry. John 4, 29. Uh, this lady, woman at the well, is what we got cooking here. And uh, she came, come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Man, isn't that scary? Somebody... That could, says, I know all things that knows everything about you. Knows what you're thinking as you're thinking it. Knows what you're thinking before you think it. Ooh, that can be a scary moment. But that shows you how big our Savior is. Jesus is immutable as well. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Why did he come as an infant? Because of his divinity. He came from the outside. He performs works that only God can do. By the way, the work of being connected to your creator is a work that only God can do. This world is looking for so many other avenues to be made whole. They're looking for so many other things to be made connected, to be made complete. They're looking for so many things that they think will fill their life. And they're coming up short. Only God can fill. Only Christ can fill that life. And it's something that only he can do through salvation. Forgiveness of sins. He forgives sins for eternity. That's something only God can do through Christ. That's it. Think about that. Why are people struggling? Men are trying to work their way there. Especially, especially for Bible-believing fundamentalizing. That's what we are. As we're teaching the Bible, be careful that we still don't creep into, God, I can make this right with you. No, you can't. He can. That's why he came as an... I'm getting ahead of myself. He, forgiveness of sins for eternity, forever. Life, he gives spiritual life to whomever he wishes. John chapter 5, verse 21. Resurrection, he will raise the dead, John 11. Judgment, he will judge all people. Back to You know what? Go to John chapter 5, a page over in your Bible. Something only God can do. God-like character. By the way, 
God has all the power. All of it. All of it. I use this illustration uh, probably too many times, but when I look at this earth and I maybe watch a documentary and you see how big and alive this earth is, it can, it's scary. It's really scary. Science, and, and by the way, science is catching up to the Bible finally. Whew. Finally, science is starting to agree with the things of the Bible. It's been flip-flopped for a bunch of years. Remember, this is an old dusty book. Science just blows, proves the Bible wrong. It's the other way around. It's catching up to the Bible. He has all authority. All power is his. John chapter 5, verse 22. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. So the, the Son is co-equal. He's, he's, he has all judgment. Look in verse 27 as well of chapter 5. And has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man. That's why. So judgment, his divine character, his divinity is outside the earth. I am glad that he came as an infant because that's from the outside. He was given names of deity. That word deity means divine nature. Divine nature. So I just read that word. We read the term son of God. Sometimes son of man, son of God, though Jesus seldom used it, this of himself, he did in John chapter 10. Others, uh, others mainly used it more than he did. But uh, son of God means in the order of, in the order of. The Lord and God in the New Testament also called what? King of kings, Lord of lords. Where are we going with this? Why did he come as an infant? Because of his divinity. There's no, this is supernatural. It's beyond the realm of what we can conjure up in our minds. Why did Jesus come as an infant? This is probably the most applicable one today. The first one, because of his divinity, is a kind of a, it's big. But this one is right where you and I are living. Why did he come as an infant? Because of his humanity. Living like you and I. Living like you and I. He is one of us in every way. He embodied the full human experience, perhaps even fuller than most of us. How, how could we follow the footsteps of a mere man if we didn't see that man crawl as a child? Did, did you ever think about that? At some point, Jesus probably crawled like a child. How could we believe if he had not undergone all the temptation that we have had? How would we believe him as new life is here today, as the teens are here today? Why would we follow and believe if we didn't realize that he came and experienced every temptation that we have? He's experienced. He had a human body, Luke chapter 2, John chapter 8. He had a human body, every much very much like us. He had a human soul and spirit. Boy, I would love to have, if this was a teaching setting, I would ask that question. Did Jesus have a soul and a spirit? Huh. Well, let's see what Jesus said about that. What did he say about that? Matthew 26. Matthew 26.
Matthew 26, verse 38. The second question is, did Jesus have a soul and spirit? Matthew 26, verse 38. <clears throat> then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus just said he had a soul. The immaterial part of a human being. Did he have a spirit? Look in Luke 23, verse 46. Luke 23, 46. Jesus is on the cross at this point. Luke 23, 46. He's, on, he, he's actually dying on the cross. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Jesus had a soul. Jesus had a spirit. He had the immaterial nature just like you and just like me. He can identify. We can identify. He had human characteristics. He was hungry. Matthew chapter 4. He was thirsty. John 19. He was tired. John 4. He had compassion. He had love, Matthew 19. Jesus wept. Everybody knows that verse. They just don't know where it's at. John chapter 11, verse 35. He was tempted in all points like us. We'll pick that up again in a moment. And he had true humanity. Be grateful today. He can identify with you and where you are in your soul and in your spirit. He can identify. He is not distant I was watching one of my favorite movies over the last two days, and they showed a uh, church scene, and um, in it, it looked like God was so far off, and the people were way down here, and they're just trying to reach. Jesus Christ, our mediator, he brings us close, real close, like real close, y'all. To the, he brings us face to face is one, one of the Hebrew words for what our relationship can, relationship can be like with our creator. Because of his divinity, because of his humanity, here's the best reason I think, this is my opinion, he made the full commitment. He was all the way in. He was all the way in. He would have meant, it would have meant little to mankind if Jesus appeared as an unknown. So if all of a sudden he shows up, we know that he died at about his public ministry, age 30, died at about age 33, rose again. It would have meant little if we're like, he shows up at age 30, does his public ministry and death, burial, resurrection, ascends in that three-year period. That's a, Three years isn't a long time to get to know somebody, is it? Not at all. Perhaps you've been married for decades and you wake up one day and go, who are you? You ever done that? Too much? Shouldn't I sit not said that? Three years is not a long time to really get to know somebody. But when you see somebody that's born, this morning in Faithful Life, I asked Spencer Bovey to come in just because, just because, um, because he, or many of you remember when he was born. And now he's in college. I said, Spence, just come on in and let's just share what you're doing and all these things. 
And we've got to watch Spencer grow and learn and that he's broadcasting a little bit of the future, which Brad, I don't know that he's ever moving out. I'm just going to be upfront about that. We'll, we'll talk about that later. When you see somebody for 18, 20 years of their life, we're kind of invested. I had people raise hands about, who remembers when Spencer was born? Well, John had him in Awana. Peg, you had him forever. I don't know how that worked. I don't know how that even worked out. Uh, Tom, you had him in Awana. Everybody's had an involvement here, and you're vested. You get to know people when you spend time with people. So as Jesus is growing and maturing, it would be interesting to be a fly on the wall to see if how he did navigate those years and all those things. We know that his dad was a carpenter. In that culture, you learned that trade from your father. Like I'm sure Joseph, the carpenter, hit his thumb with a hammer. What came out of his mouth? You wonder if Jesus is sitting there watching going, We don't know. Jesus would have never hit his thumb because he was perfect. As a child in a manger, he needed everybody for everything. In the temple, young but now maturing, age 12-ish, Luke chapter 2, verse 52. As a young man beginning a a ministry and overhearing Inquisitive neighbors, Matthew 13. We see him in a desert wrestling at age 30 with temptation and destiny, Matthew chapter 4. There's a good one. Man, that's a great thought for the younger people in this room. Man, there's so much pressure on our kids now. Like when you're a junior, sophomore in high school, where are you going to college? you got to have your life already figured out. Where are you going to college? Where are you going to go create a bunch of debt? I digress. There's so much pressure, though. You know, we don't think about this much, but in the humanity of Jesus Christ, he was wrestling with destiny. He had a destiny. God had a destiny for him. And did you know? You may think, well, it's God's destiny. Well, then it's fate. It's just going to happen. It's not fate. It's faith. Because when Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, but not my will, but thine. He had a choice to make. Not my will, but thine. His love for children and compassion for people. See that. Then on a cross, feeling the the, the physical pain. I don't think we can identify with that one. Man, I've got a big, thick article on the potentiality of the pain of the cross. It's graphic, too. Feeling the emotional pain. You know one of the worst things they can do to you in prison is put you in isolation. You don't want to go in the hole. Isolation. I mean, where are you going with that? When Christ was on the cross, he was in isolation. When he died for sin, he was in isolation. Pain. We believe it in part because he lived our lives Our lives in part. He can identify. Here's a quote from David Jeremiah. 
We are bought with a price that could never have been paid out without been paid without the full burden of humanity having been accepted. David Jeremiah at the end quote. If Jesus is only God, his sacrifice would have been really unconvincing. If Jesus is the is only man, his sacrifice would have no power. He conquered humanity. Now he lives through and in us as believers, making us more than conquerors. Who's ever heard that before? First John. We get to win in life because we're more than conquerors in him. We get to win. You like to win? I love winning. I love it. He's done the work and he's living these things out through us. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 16. Toward the back of the Bible, if you're new to Scripture. Oh, I love this. Come on, this is, this is, this is the, the most applicable thing that we can look at this morning is right now. His divinity, his humanity, the full commitment. Watch the application right here. I love it. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 16. It says, for indeed he does not give aid to the angels. Notice the word not. For he does not give aid to the angels. That would cause you to, why? But he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. He doesn't give aid to the angels. He gives seed to those who need it. We're the seed of Abraham, human beings. Therefore, in all things... He had to be made like his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation, that means satisfy, a satisfaction for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. There it is. That's how we win. When we give our life to Christ, we give everything to Christ, recognizing, listen, we all have a besetting temptation. When we get victory over temptation, for some reason I think we get in our minds that that temptation goes away. I think that temptation just takes a step back. Because it keeps coming back. It just I don't think it goes away. Our sin, once forgiven, is gone away, removed. Deep as the ocean floor, far as east is from the west. Okay? That's Bible stuff. But I think our temptation is just takes a step back. It doesn't necessarily go away. He, it says in verse 16, he gives, give aid. That means, that word give aid, a phraseology, means to take hold of or take the nature of. Angels are God's messengers. The seed of Abraham, well, that's mankind's spiritual need. Okay, are you with me? Say, uh-huh. You're with me. All right, good. Verse 17. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, <clears throat> to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Verse 17. He was tempted in all points like us, I was at verse end, yet without sin. That's Hebrews 4.15. 
Why? To be a perfect high priest. That go between, between God and man. Old Testament, they had a lot of priests. Now, as a believer, he is our priest. In fact, we don't need the function of priests any longer. They're, they're, we don't need them any longer. He is our high priest. What we need is preachers and teachers of the Bible. It's right there in the book of Hebrews. To be a perfect high priest, that go-between. And that word propitiation, uh, it took me forever to say it without spitting on everything because all the P's in there. But propitiation, what's that mean? The satisfier. He satisfied God's requirement for sin. That's for yours and that's for mine. And someone asked me years ago, they've been coming for a while too. They're like, yeah, but when does all that kick in? The day you fully rely on him. The day you by faith fully come to, you're on Christ saying, I don't want my life, I want your life. That's when it kicks in. And I love the fact that person said kicks in. When does it kick in? I love it. It was choppy. It wasn't all polished. You know what they were saying? I believe it. I don't feel it. That's what they were saying. You don't have to feel something for it to be true, right? You don't have to feel it for it to be true. But if you will do what's right, follow what's right, and by faith, you know what will come? The feelings. Feelings are not the major indicator for your life. Sometimes they're a lagging second, third, fourth. They're a lagging indicator of what's really going on in your life. The problem is we're so emotionally driven. We are very emotionally driven at times. Jesus is merciful to man, faithful to God. The perfect intercessor is what that means. He did what no other priest could ever do. Offered himself as a sinless sacrifice... He willingly died in your place. When does it kick in? When does my sins go away? When you give your life fully over to him. Look in verse 18. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. And there it is. That's the most applicable thing we can share today is in verse 18. He aids the believer going through temptation. He helps others grow through it because he has been there himself and defeated it and won. He was tempted from without, never from within. His heart knew no sin. James chapter 1, verse 13. Yet he provides a victory. He provides a salvation. Why did he come as an infant? His divinity, his humanity was number two, number three, to prove that he made the full commitment. He didn't go halfway. He didn't go thus far, and he's reaching his arms out for us today. I wonder how he's working in your heart. Here's our application. He is one of us in every sense of the word so that we could make now the full commitment, being fully committed to him. Can I promise he's going to make your golf game better? No. Can I promise he's going to make your life be super smooth from here on out? Fairy tale stuff. He doesn't even promise that. I can't promise that. What he does promise is to be with you and to walk with you and to give you 
give you that something that the rest of the world is going to see in you when you walk by faith in him. And they're going to go, that person's different. That person has something that I need. That's what he promises. He promises that when you're going through heartache and hardship, when you have the ministry of suffering and you're living that life and people are going, why in the world? Why do they have a peace? I don't understand it. That's not like Bible. A peace that passes understanding. That's what he promises when you come fully. This infant man, Savior, he knows you. He knows you intimately. He knows you. And that's a good thing. Let him have all of you and experience his presence. Well, usually we had planned to have a time of invitation. Uh, we're not having that today. But I do want to conclude the preaching with a time of prayer, a time of you just self-evaluating, giving your heart and your life over to the Holy Spirit, to what God would want to show you today. And I'm going to have that prayer, and then Pastor Roger is going to come up uh, in a few minutes to dismiss us. So let's bow for a time of prayer. Can we do that? Dear Lord, we're about ready to spend a, a moment or two in silence. We did this last week, and it was very beneficial. Perhaps we did it last week, and some people just kind of checked out. Well, this is our effort to make ourselves open. And Lord, may we use the word vulnerable in front of you. You're the best you're the best one to be vulnerable in front of because you're the only one that can do something about it. Make us whole. Make us complete. Thank you for coming, Christ, as an infant. Thank you. Dear God, in this moment of silence, I pray that you would hear the hearts and prayers and get into the minds, the hearts and lives of the people that are listening. Change us from the inside out in this time of silence. there it was Lord I pray that as we are about to say amen that we would understand that, that you never stop you never get tired you never get tired have us to have the same strength comparatively to come to you and to pursue you as hard as you are pursuing us May we make that effort and watch what you can do with the life. I lift this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Roger, if you would. All right, a couple of announcements that I want to share, and then uh, I want to share one other thing. Uh, Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, first of all, let me say, 
last night we had our uh, kickoff Christmas party for our adults, and it was a great time. We had fun and had some sickness that kept people away, but we had a good time uh, last night, a lot of uh, uh, fun and, and uh, enjoyment, kind of kicking off the season, uh, Christmas season. Uh, Tuesday, the 29th, is at 5.30, the senior adults and others in our Steadfast class, you're welcome to come. Uh, we're going to uh, have our dinner at Golden Corral like we do each year. So if you're going to do that, if you're going to be able to make it, please uh, let Betty know. We didn't put a sign-up sheet out there, but just let her know that you're going to be there. Uh, she talked to quite a few of you today, but uh, um, if, if she doesn't know, we want to try and get a count for everybody to be there. Also, there are new directories out in the uh, lobby, so if you'll pick one of those up, one per household, and then if we need more, we can make more, but we don't want uh, some people to not get any today. So if you need a directory, a new one's out there and uh, available for you. And then I, I want to just conclude this morning and, and talk about, as we kick off the Christmas season, Thanksgiving's over, a lot to be thankful for, and uh, last night I shared a little bit of a devotion, and I'm not going to share that whole thing again, but, uh, you know, we, we received a gift at Christmas time. We sometimes forget that. We give gifts and receive them, and I was asking who likes to get them and who likes to give them and all of that. Jesus Christ was our gift. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He, his son was the gift. And from that gift, we have many benefits. We have our salvation. We have eternal life. We have a home in heaven. We have an abundant life here on earth. All those things. But you know, one of the things that that motivates me at Christmas time and, and across the, the year, I want to read a verse. You know, Jesus came, as Pastor Scott uh, explained this morning, he came as a babe, and he didn't have to come. You know, he didn't have to come and provide a way for us to uh, have eternal life and to be with him. He chose to do that. And I'm going to read a verse, and it's kind of my life verse, I guess, if you'd say a couple of verses that I'm going to read, and it just motivates me. When I uh, think about what Christ did for me, it motivates me to, to give back and to continue to give. And let me read them. It's in uh, John chapter 10, verse 17 and 18. These are two verses. Whenever I get discouraged, whenever I feel like giving up or quitting or, or just saying, ah, I don't want to do it right now, these things, these verses motivate me. It says, and this is Jesus speaking. And he says, therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This commandment I've received from my father. When I, when I feel like, eh, I don't want to do this, you know, I don't. I don't want to give myself to the Lord. I see what he did. Nobody caused him to be uh, suffer and die on the cross. He gave himself. And with that, I can celebrate Christmas, the birth of our Savior, knowing that he did that with his whole heart. Like we heard this morning, he did that with his whole heart and that we ought to be able to give back. So as you start the Christmas season this morning, and uh, perhaps you've already started it. You've been listening to music for a while, but uh, if, as we start as a church today, 
Think about that. What Christ actually did, what he gave up so that he might come and be our sacrificial lamb, the one who died on the cross for our sins, that we might have life in him. With that, you are dismissed.